We looked at the first two verses of Psalm 145 a few weeks ago. I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee. I will praise thy name forever and ever. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago from those verses that we are to be praisers of God. This is a psalm of David. David is God's how-to video of how God wants man to interact with him. And so we could not find a better example than David of how God wants us to connect with him. We found in these verses from a couple of weeks ago that God wants us to be every day, forever and ever, worshipers of Him. We laid that out in three different ways. Every day, forever and ever, I want to be a God promoter. That's the word extol. Now, by the way, when I, in that little chorus that we sang, I think you've probably figured out that I put that together. I didn't just go out and find out, uh, find a song that just happens to go with our text. But um, I was putting that together, and I thought, maybe I need a a newer word than extol, because maybe people won't know what extol means. And I was thinking that over. I don't like to do that at all. Sometimes, you know, older words need a little bit of explaining. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But uh, I really wanted to keep it extol. And then I was listening to a Yankee game on the radio. And the announcer said, right in the game, He said, let me just extol the virtues of yada yada such a player. I thought, nope, it's staying in right there. If they can use it in a Yankee game, I can use it in a a gospel song. But for the sake of the outline a few weeks ago, uh, I I used the word promote as a synonym of extol, and it's a perfect synonym. Every day, forever and ever, promoters of God. And then the word bless. We know what that means, but I wanted to be very specific in the, in the uh, explaining of it. So I said, every day, forever and ever, pleasers of God. That we should want to be a blessing to God or to please God. And then, of course, the word praise, every day, forever and ever, and ever praisers of God. And I can tell you that that, not only my love for this passage, but that outline, everything. It came on my knees at that cornerstone of that place where I took you men a couple of weeks ago. It's just amazing what God has done. And and I'm there 10 or 15 minutes a day. That's it. But it's amazing what God just, just shows me and gives to me. From there... I uh, and I have to say I'm getting ahead of myself, but it doesn't matter. It'll all it'll all come out as it should this morning. But what I've done here, I didn't know any of these verses. I mean, I've read them, sure, hundreds if not thousands of times, but had not committed any of them to memory. And as I began to want to worship the Lord, okay, I'm really I'm I'm just going to say it as it comes and forget my outline, I guess, but. I was, I was at the altar at the summit in uh, the end of July. And um, God just, I mean, every message I went to the altar, and God just really pounded on my heart about my, my early mornings. And since my foot, before my foot happened, seven years ago right now it was beginning to happen. Before my foot happened, uh, I, was, I was hitting the mark of getting up and getting out of the house by 6 o'clock in the morning. And um, yeah, that's, try that when you don't have to punch a clock. It's a challenge. 
You know, when you have to punch a clock, well, I did that for years, and I was always on time. But when there's nobody here to report to, you know what I'm saying? So that was a challenge for me, and I tend to be more of a late-night person than an early-morning person, but I just, I, 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 wanted to, I, wanted to be, I wanted to be to work when I didn't have to be, same time that uh, most of you are, and I was, I, was, I was good at it. My foot happened, and, of course, I was on my couch 24-7 for about four months, and, um, and then after that, especially when the, when the wound began to open up, my wife has, been, has had to pay very close attention to my foot every day, and I couldn't leave the house until she, till she, till she did that. And uh, I was not going to force her to, you know, follow my schedule. And so it just got very easy for my schedule to be in the morning to be at home. Now, I still spent time with the Lord. I still got in the Bible and uh, didn't neglect any of that. But at home, even though they're good distractions, they're still distractions. You know what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm not, this is not slighting my family anyway. And, and we have a very small house, so there's no place where you can go to, to not be with the family. We're always together all the time, which is a wonderful thing until you get to Bible reading time. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, it's, 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 uh, I'm not complaining or anything. I'm just telling you, for the last seven years, my early morning time has been at home, almost of necessity and, and definitely got to be of habit. And there at the summit, there I was before the Lord, and the Lord said, uh, I need my mornings back. I said, you got your mornings. He said, no, we need to do something different. And that's where it began to really stir in my heart that whatever else I have going on at any given day, I just got to worship the Lord for a little bit before I start into anything else. And I did it immediately. That was Monday night of the summit. No, Tuesday night. It starts Tuesday, Tuesday night of the summit. Wednesday morning right there in our, in, in our room, even in the crazy schedule of the summit, I was, there I was with the Lord. And I have to tell you, by the grace of God, and this is the grace of God because I have tried and failed at so many things, by the grace of God, it has not stopped. I came home and uh, I sought the Lord about, okay, I've got to find a place. I've got to find a place that when I get up, not my place of prayer. My pl- I have all kinds of places of prayer. Some of them are in your neighborhoods. I mean, just, just a place where I can get along with God and, and as much as possible go unnoticed and just pray for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people and things. But that's prayer. This is worship. I wanted a place where I started every single day in worship. And the Lord laid it on my heart that that foundation of the very first Baptist in the town of Danbury, 230 years ago. And uh, I go, I go, and I go, I, I enter the foundation by the front door, even though it's just it's rocks. But I always go in the front door. And over here, I'm not sure that it's the cornerstone, but it, it is a large stone in the corner over here. And I kneel down every day, and for about 15 minutes, I start my day just worshiping the Lord. Now, the first few times that I did that, and I knew this was a new, this is something new God wanted me to do and stick with. And so uh, the first week or so, I'm saying, okay, Lord, we're, we're, we're turning a corner here. We're going to a new plateau, I think. And so I want you to show me something that, that will stay with me, something that brings continuity, something that if, I, if I'm tempted to skip it tomorrow morning, I know in my heart immediately I'm going to miss something. And uh, the Lord put Psalm 145 in my heart. 
And so I started memorizing it. And I memorized it as part of worshiping the Lord. In other words, it's about a seven-minute drive from my house to where I'm going there to worship the Lord. And I, uh, I spent that seven minutes, I will extol thee, my God, O King. By the way, that's it. I didn't try to tackle the whole verse. So be careful about trying to take on too much territory when you're memorizing Scripture. I will extol thee, my God, O King. And I just went to that place. And I got on my knees. By the way, uh, if you go to 7-Eleven there or the gas station, you can see me on the hilltop, people passing by. People, I always have to be careful because people are rushing on their way to work early in the morning, and they don't expect anybody to turn up into that, uh, uh, that it, it's grass, really. And so I hate it. You know, when somebody gets right up on my bumper and I'm putting the blinker on, they think I'm turning on King Street, but I'm not. Anyway, I'm telling you too much of my life story here. And... Uh, so I turn in, and, and people are always looking, what's he doing? And nobody goes up in there. And I go over, and, and uh, I kneel down, and I get on my knees, and I, be, I start. I will extol thee, my God, O king. I will extol thee, my God, O king. And I just, I worship him. Now, um, I'm, I'm, I've gotten way ahead of myself because this is actually like a part of the first thing I wanted to share with you, but I didn't give the introduction. What I want to focus on this morning is verse number four. Just the first statement there up to the comma. Would you read that with me? Psalm 145, verse four, if you're there. Ready? One generation shall praise thy works to another. One more time. Ready? One generation shall praise thy works to another. One last time. Ready? One generation shall praise thy works to another. That's where we're going to be for just a few minutes. I'm watching the clock here. What we're talking about here is praising down what we have. Passing down the works of God. When we looked at Sunday school, we started into the period of the judges. And we read a verse in Judges 2, verse 10. There rose up another generation which knew not the Lord. Well, whose fault is that? For all the greatness of that generation that crossed the Jordan and brought down the walls of Jericho and took the promised land, somehow they failed to pass it down. And, and this, this generation of Americans of all ages that have failed to realize the freedoms that have been afforded them through that flag and the sacrifice that brought it and the principles that make it possible. We have failed to pass it down. But what I want you to notice here is it doesn't say pass it down. It says praise it. One generation shall praise thy works to another. And however else we have failed, we have definitely failed there. One reason is, I'm being very frank here, the 1970s, in most states, a majority of states in America, in the 1970s, do you get this? In 1970s, the majority of states in America, the largest congregation in the majority of states in America were churches who do it exactly like we do it. 
knocking doors, passing out tracts, running buses, preaching from the, the English Bible, winning souls, going out there into the neighborhood, reaching people, singing the old-time hymns. The largest churches in the majority of states. See, I don't believe that. Do you do, you do the research? It's true. But somehow it didn't get passed on. And I'll tell you why. Because as great as many of those churches were, they were churches that did not emphasize and practice praising the Lord. They did not praise down the works of the Lord. I'm talking about the actual act of praising the Lord. This verse said, I'm not saying this is the only thing required. It requires example. It requires teaching doctrine, all these things. But you cannot take out of this from David, who, by the way, David succeeded at praising it to his son, but then his son failed at praising it down to his son. But one generation shall praise thy works to another. You will not succeed at passing down the works of God without, here's the key, private praise. So I understand because if you're praising privately, how's anybody going to catch it? Okay, I'll explain as we go here in a very short amount of time. We're talking about praising down the works of God through private praise, praising it down to your children. Praising the works of God down to other people. Other people. When you come to church, there are different generations of Christians in this room. And the new believer is a new generation of Christians. No matter what their age, it's not about age. It's about our growth in the Lord. And the only way we can praise down the works of the Lord to other people is through private praise. I'm also talking not only about praising down the works of God to your children and to other people, but to future generations. So let's look at this. What are we talking about? Praising it down. Okay, number one, private praise is where we are convinced that we have something worth passing down. Private praise is where we are convinced that we have something worth passing down. Listen carefully. Human beings are so easily duped into only valuing those things that other people promote to them. That's why it's not a good idea. Forget the music. It's not a good idea to listen to broadcast radio, to listen to music on it. Why? Because all you're getting is what the industry is trying to push on you. That's why you may think, and I've had, I've had people ask me, and it's a legitimate question, and I, I appreciate it. Pastor, I've heard you say that you've watched movies on Netflix or, or do you own some movies on it, but you won't go to the movie theater. Why is that? Last movie I saw in the movie theater, I was 12 years old. I went there with my pastor and the chairman of the deacon board and my parents. 
in search of Noah's Ark. It was in the movies. We went and saw it. The next time we were going to see, there was, I don't know if there's still a movie theater in the Copps Hill Plaza in Richfield, but there, I don't even know if they call it the Copps Hill Plaza anymore, but um, used to be a movie theater there. We went to see Star Trek and praise the Lord. We were in a half an hour late, so we didn't get in. That was, that was our last attempt. I was 13, I think. Praise God. I, I tell you why I praise God. We went to a Yankee game Friday night. It was Star Trek night. Not Star Trek, Star Wars, Star Wars. See, I don't even know the difference. Um, Star Wars. It was Star Wars night. We showed up early thinking, oh, we're going to cruise right in here because we're so early. There was thousands of Star, Star Wars freaks outside. We got inside, and the guys sitting next to us, they looked like Yankee fans, so I used the phrase, Star Wars freaks. And then I noticed the big Star Wars tattoo he had on his shoulder. And the other guy was like, okay, sorry, dude. <laughs> But I looked at all them, a lady outside, a grown woman with her hairdo, like Princess Leah or whatever her name is. And I was praising God that when I was 13 years old, we went to the movie theater, they were closed, or they were, they were already started, because I was glad I was not a Star Wars freak. Anyway, that was definitely a sidetrack. But the reason that I don't, and I don't condemn you if you do, but I don't go to the movie theater is because I don't want to live my life only valuing those things that industries are pushing on me. That's what they're doing. That's what commercials are for crying out loud. You got to have this, you got to have this, got to have this, got to have this. Can I throw this in here? And I'm not highly educated on this. I'm going to investigate it, though. But I I heard about something. and (laughs) I have never before used Justin Bieber as a source. But I heard about something Justin Bieber said, and I've heard hints of this before, but he's the first one who's had the courage to come out and say, does anybody know what I'm talking about there? You need to investigate that. I'm not talking about go listen to his music. You need to investigate this. And I've heard about this before, about what the industry executives do to blackmail you for the rest of your life. That, And they tell you this, and it's it's... I'm going I'm to be as, as nice as I can to literally record you in an act of sodomy and pedof, pet, pedof, whatever the word is there and convince you this is the difference between you being a millionaire and a billionaire and then they own you for the rest of your life. And he, to his credit, if his story is true, And he told this to a crowd of a couple thousand people. To his credit, he had the backbone to say, no. I wouldn't be surprised if his star falls very fast just for making this public. But he says there is not a big-time performer in all of the industry that has not been, what's the duped, who who has not given into this. If they've got a big name in the industry, they said yes. Those are the people that are selling you music. Those are the people that are making their movies. And I refuse to go to the theater theater and just say, and most of what I ever see, very rarely do I watch anything. When I do, it's in black and white, something 75 years old. 
If I do something that's within the last 20 years, I research it and look at it. I do not want to sit there and just eat what somebody else is shoveling out to me. But we make the mistake of only valuing those things that are peddled to us, that are promoted to us, instead of having the taking the initiative for us to decide what I value. And that's what worship time is. Do you get that? That's what, it is you starting your day by you deciding that you value God. That's why when I said a few minutes ago that going into the Lord's presence and singing words directly, I am certainly not, I love those other songs. But do you see the difference of what it will do to your heart to sing instead of just singing about the Lord and how you're praising Him? And that is, that is wonderful, awesome. But there's something that pulls my heart to Him when I sing not about Him but to Him. I will extol Thee, my God, O King. I will bless thy name forever and ever. Praise. Private praise is where we come to understand that we have something that must be passed down. Let me give you a few clues real quick. On You say, I don't even know, though, how to do that, Pastor. I don't even know how to do it. Okay, let me give you real fast some things that you can take to that place of private praise. That will help you lift up your heart to the Lord. Number one, I already mentioned memorizing worship verses, admiration verses. Memorize a phrase and take it to the Lord and just give it. And you will be surprised at how it floods your soul. Can I ask you, can I, can I advise you to do this? Don't copy what, what I'm saying. Oh, Psalm 145. Now, I'm not saying it's bad to start there. I'm saying... Don't try to just mimic what pastor's doing. You need your own relationship with God. So ask the Lord. God, give me a passage that would, that would please you. And take that passage and one little phrase. I'm just, this is just a suggestion of, of what, what do you say when you get there? I see, we're not talking about just God, thank you for, I'm not, I'm not against this either. I'm not saying, but we limit ourselves. I'm not talking about just, okay, what do I have to be thankful for? Let me write down these things that I have to be thankful for. And, you know, and we get real specific. You know, God, thank you that I have hair. Thank you for my right eye. Thank you for my left eye. Thank you for, you know. That, nothing wrong with that. It's awesome. But to me, that's praise. What I'm talking about is worship. God, you're awesome. But you can only say, God, you're awesome so many times till you're like, okay, now what? So you take David, who is God's how-to video of worship. And you look at his words of worship. And, and you take one phrase at a time and say, okay, that's the phrase I'm going to take to my place of worship today. Here's another idea. Sounds crazy, but telling Bible stories to God. What? Do you understand all of the stories in the Bible? God's the star and God's the winner. So you tell them about the parting of the Red Sea or the falling of the walls of Jericho. You tell them about bringing down fire on Mount Carmel. He's the winner. So you tell them that story. God, I love that story. I love, I love reading about how you, 
I mean, it was Elijah. During, I don't, I'm not going to take the time to go through the whole thing, but if you can picture yourself just telling God, oh, I love that story. That's just my heart is so filled. And, and it lets God know that you know who you're talking to. And you're lifting up God. Another thing you do is learn the attributes of God. Now, we spent many Sunday nights here this first part of the year talking about the attributes of God. And I think they're all on our church's podcast. We did two or three each, each Sunday night. Go to any Sunday night just about in the first six months of 2017, our church's podcast, and just listen and make the list of, of some of the attributes of God that we studied. And then just take one of them and go to that place of worship and say, God, I thank you that you are self-existent. Self-existent. And meditate on that. And meditate to it. It's like you're brainstorming with God, except he already knows all the answers. But he likes hearing that you're figuring it out. You are the I am. You didn't need anybody's permission to do all this. And people disagree. You're right and they're wrong. You're so awesome. You are the I am. The I am God. Oh, God, I love you. Can, hey, can I share something with you? I heard this. I was talking about listening to that uh, Johnny Pope podcast this morning. Can I share with something I heard? This is so awesome. You ready for this? You're going to want to write this name down. Herbert Spencer. Herbert Spencer was an evolutionist. I'm not a science guy, but this is awesome. Herbert Spencer was an evolutionist. He lived in the 1800s. In, don't miss this. In 1882, 1882, Herbert Spencer wrote this book and he had this profound discovery. Profound discovery. Here was his profound discovery. All that exists in the universe, all of reality, can be contained in five categories. Time, force, Motion, space, matter. Everything. In the, and, and the world said, oh, why is brilliant? <laughs> Everything in the universe can be contained in five categories. Time, force, motion, space, matter. 150 years ago, this brilliant scientist made this discovery. And the world said, oh, wow. Let me show you what Moses wrote. 3,500 years ago. You ready for this? This is so cool. 3,500 years ago, don't forget, time, force, motion, space, matter. 3,500 years ago, Moses, under the inspiration of God, said, in the beginning, time, God, force, created, motion, the heaven, Space and the earth matter. <laughs> so the brilliant guy figured it out 150 years ago. The simple guy wrote it down 3,500 years ago. We're, we're glad that the that the Darwinists caught up with us, right? Now that's the kind of thing. Tomorrow morning when I meet with the Lord. I'll be telling that to him. He already knows it. But just to let him know, I know how awesome he is. Okay, now, 
Clock says 1225. We're usually at it 1230. That was point one. I got three more to go. So I'm going to absolutely fly right now, okay? You, everything I've said so far will help you. We're going to condense the rest into just a couple of minutes. I said private praise is where we are convinced that we have something that must be passed down. Second, private praise is where we learn to praise that, where we learn how to praise down the works of God. Private praise is where we learn how to praise down the works of God. Listen, do you know why you come to the place of public praise and you feel uncomfortable? Because you haven't done it in private. If you did it in private, public would come easy. Private praise is where we are persuaded, we're convinced that we have something that must be passed down. This is so awesome that everybody needs it. Private praise is where we learn how to praise it down, praise down the works of God. Public praise is where we find the next generation. You can't praise it down to the next generation if you're not around them. If there's no other reason to get yourself to church, that's a good one right there. If there's no other reason to be in Sunday school and to be in Sunday night and to be in Wednesday night, that's one right there because that's where the next generation is. Hey, maybe that's where the statue tearing down with people would have been if there had been a teacher there to teach them. Public praise is where we find the next generation. Public praise is where we praise it down. The next generation, whether it's our kids or new believers or unbelievers, they look at us and they, they see us getting emotional because we got emotional in private. Now we're getting emotional in public and we don't care because, because what we got is real. And the next generation says, <clears throat> I want what he has. You know, I didn't realize when I was a boy at Patterson Baptist Church and the chairman of the deacon board, Mr. Pinckney, would stand up. And by the way, those of you that say, well, you know, I just don't have that exuberant personality that you need to be a praiser. I don't even know how to say, you know, when I was a kid, it was, it was, this, this was relatively new. I'd go places. And we were in a lot of wild services when I was young, traveling and singing. And, and uh, I remember hearing people say, hallelujah. And I go, well, I can't even pronounce that. That's not, you know, and you say, that's, that's not who I am. It's not who Mr. Pinckney was. But there never was a testimony time where the chairman of the deacon board didn't get up and it was real, had a real deep voice. He'd say, why? Well, I, I could try to mimic it, but I can't come close. But he'd say, I just want to thank the Lord for being so good to me and my wife. Or another son, I just want to thank the Lord for blessing my business. He had the best farm repair business in Putnam County. I just want to thank the Lord for what he's done here at our church. He was not exuberant. He was not outgoing. He was not super emotional, but he loved to praise the Lord. He praised it down to me. He praised it down to me. Now, there was a lady that she was emotional. She was Pentecostal, but we let her into the Baptist church anyway because she'd come on Sunday nights, and her son was a Baptist preacher, so we let her into the Baptist church. No, we, we wanted what she had. I'm just teasing totally. She was Pentecostal. I'm not teasing about that. But she, she went to the Pentecostal church on Sunday morning. She came to Patterson Baptist Church on Sunday night. She had, I think, seven sons. I know at least five. I think seven. 
couple of them were preachers. John, you knew one of her sons. Her name was Mrs. Morrison. One of her sons pastored the Second Kent Baptist Church. Unless I got my things messed up here, John back here, it's good to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. Um, one of her sons was a street preacher. He used to run with, with uh, Phil, wasn't it? Am I, am I wrong about that, John? And uh, he, he, but he, was, he, was, he was a maniac for Jesus. And old Mrs. Morrison, she'd come to church, and she was always, always just crying for joy. I mean, crying for joy. I don't know how else to say it. I just want to praise the Lord. That glow of heaven on her face. I remember sitting there as a 10, 11, 12-year-old kid thinking, I don't know what got in her heart, but I want some of that. I thank God that they just didn't just set an example, though they did set an example. They didn't just teach classes, though they did teach classes. I praise God that they had the courage. And by the way, I praise the Lord for my, my uncle, who was the pastor, who had testimony time. And you'd sit there, and it was uncomfortable. Okay, and it was one of them things where, okay, we're going to sing that third verse if nobody testifies. Because after those first few people went, then it was like pulling teeth, getting other people to, but that's okay. But never failed, Mrs. Morrison. She'd stand up, and she'd say, well, I just, I can't not praise the Lord. She was praising it down. She was praising it down. Hey, you may think I'm crazy. You may think this is foolish, but. The reason we've got a generation of Americans who's, who've lost touch with our American values is, I believe, with all of my heart. Because, hey, we say all the time that, hey, our, our, our nation was, was founded on Christian principles. If you really believe that, then you've got to also believe that Christians have a responsibility. And our responsibility is to praise it down to our kids so that they will want what we have. So that they don't get away from God altogether or they don't wind up going after this nonsense pop culture garbage that calls itself church today. Praise it down. I don't know what the percentage is. You can stand with me, stand together. I don't know what the percentage is this morning. I'm sure there's some percentage of the crowd here that's going, you are out of your mind. (laughs) And there's some percentage of the crowd that something clicked in your heart this morning. If you're in the out-of-your-mind group, I'm not going to try to persuade you. Uh, That's fine. If you're in the something clicked in your heart this morning, all I'm at, I'm not asking you to come in public and put on a show. That is the absolute opposite of what I'm saying. I'm asking you to engage in private praise every day. Every day, worship the Lord. Father, I pray this morning.